Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. I'm Shayna Giles, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Caden Paisley, and my pronouns are she, her. And you've reached Gaywire, where everything's at least a little bit queer. From CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton, located on Treaty 6 territory. Today on Gaywire, we got a nice, tasty meal of content cooked up for you, just how you like it. And I remembered to leave out the olives. Our very own Shane Giles is talking to some Up the Up organizers who organize such organizations as the Edmonton Public Library and the Calgary Institute for Sexuality about GSAs and how our friend the coronavirus has been affecting them and how they should hope to proceed in the future. And then yours truly got the musician Pseudo Antigone to talk about what it looks like to be them in A Day in the Life. And without further ado, Let's dig right in. Look, let's face it. COVID sucks. It's been over a year since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, and in this past year, schools, workplaces, and community groups have come together by staying apart. For gay straight alliances and queer straight alliances, school closures and social distancing meant that GSAs couldn't run how they used to. In response, the Edmonton Public Library stopped offering GSAs altogether, but Calgary's GSA network took a different approach. They took their GSAs to the cloud. For this week's episode of Gaywire, I sat down with Kyle Marshall of the Edmonton Public Library to learn why the EPL stopped offering GSAs during COVID, as well as Nolan Hill and Rosanna Singh of the Calgary Center for Sexuality to hear all about their cloud GSA meetings. Here in Alberta, we've been living a pandemic lifestyle for over a year. Last March, when everything shut down, it was a huge blow to community organizations and queer support groups. I wanted to know how GSAs in Alberta were affected when the pandemic hit, so I started by speaking with Kyle Marshall of the Edmonton Public Library, which has previously offered GSAs in some of their branches. I spoke to Kyle back in February of 2021. Hi, my name is Kyle Marshall. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the manager at the Calder branch of Edmonton Public Library. What does your role at the Edmonton Public Library typically involve? Yeah, so I'm I'm a branch manager, which means that I support uh, the staff and the service delivery at one of our locations, and that's the Calder branch in Northwest Edmonton. Um, so my pr- primary responsibilities revolve around, you know, the specific localized operations of that branch, but I do have system-wide uh, citywide responsibilities for EPL on uh, different projects, including um, the Queer Services Project, which we ran uh, over the last two years at Edmonton Public Library. 
what can you tell me about some of the the queer youth programming that the library has offered in the past? Uh, could you give me some examples? Yeah, so specifically, um, we have run GSAs at three of our branches. And so that programming was fairly new uh, in 2017. It started at our Millwoods branch uh, and then expanded to our Lois Hole uh, Collingwood uh, Library, as well as um, the Londonderry branch at EPL. Um, so those are a GSA, you know, um, or QSA, which included um, all members of the queer community were welcome to uh, join in really uh, an inclusive and supportive, respectful space to learn about and discuss topics and issues that were really of importance to them. Um, they serve really as a community space where participants could make friends, you know, feel connected to their community. Um, outside of their schools. And we know that many schools run really successful GSAs, but we knew that uh, there was an opportunity for the library to provide kind of that third space uh, in uh, queer youth lives um, where they could connect with people outside of their own school um, or kind of connect in an environment where they already felt very comfortable uh, as part of their community, which is, you know, the library, their local library. What were some of the major barriers the library faced early in the pandemic that led to the GSA program specifically stopping? Yeah, so uh, that would be basically just the closure of our branches. And so when we had to close our branches, we canceled all of our in program, uh, sorry, our in person classes and events. Uh, and so that, uh, of course, also affected our GSA uh, that our GSAs that were run in our branches. Um, we also had to temporarily lay off some staff. And so um, we're continuing to monitor the latest developments and work closely with the city of Edmonton and Alberta Health. Right now, our primary focus is to ensure we can deliver our core operations in the safest way possible. So currently, as we're speaking on February 26, 2021, um, we are currently close to the public once again. Uh, and so what we've done is we've uh, been able to shift and optimize our virtual delivery of our classes and events. Uh, and so that those have actually been very successful. They've accrued over 1 million views um, of our EPL videos online. And those can cover a really wide array of topics, including queer history, local queer history, as well as indigenous, indigenous language classes. Specifically going back to the beginning of the pandemic, March, what was the process like for winding down the physical GSA meeting? You know, Shana, I wish it was, it was, um, it could have been done in a more strategic way. But unfortunately, what happened for many of our GSAs is they just couldn't meet again. Our libraries were closed and we weren't able to transition them to a different format. Um, we didn't know what our staffing model would look, look like going forward. So it was a more of a reactive response um, as many of us went through last March than we would have liked. It was pretty abrupt. And basically, uh, as with all our classes and events, they were just they weren't able to continue uh, for the time going forward and we we hoped that those people would connect with us virtually or over the phone as with the services that we were able to provide at that time or they got some of that content that i referred to earlier the virtual content online but we we recognize that that it's challenging you know it's one of the real challenges of providing service during a pandemic to safely provide service that reaches all types of people and we understand that virtual content will you know has been really beneficial and supportive to a large uh swath of the community but it, there are definitely some people that um, unfortunately were, were unable to meet in that way. And so it's something that, you know, those relationships are relationships that we, we look forward to improving as we uh, start to cycle out of this and we start to be able to provide um, spaces for indoor gathering again um, when that when it is safe to do so. But uh, currently, um, and at the time, we just, we, we had to stop our programming right away. Thank you very much for, for joining me. Yeah, no problem, Sheena. I'm sorry, uh, some of the stuff, you know, I just, I wish we had more time or ability to have uh, transitioned better. 
but uh, yeah, I think, you know, over time we'll get there and it, it won't be lost entirely. It's just been such a hard year <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> that was Kyle Marshall of the Edmonton Public Library, which currently remains closed due to COVID-19. Talking to Kyle gave me a lot of insight into some of the reasons why the EPL couldn't make GSAs work during COVID. But I wanted to speak with a group that found a way to make it work. So I spoke to Nolan Hill and Rosanna Singh of the Calgary Centre for Sexuality. They helped make sure that their GSA network stays up and running, and during COVID, that meant taking their GSAs online. They're called Cloud GSAs. Hi, my name is Rosanna Singh. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am the LGBTQ2S plus community engagement coordinator at Center for Sexuality. Hi, my name is Nolan Hill, and I'm the gay men's health specialist at the Center for Sexuality, and I use he, him pronouns. Prior to COVID, how did the GSA network run? So the GSA network, again, became a bit of a network of different uh, gay straight alliances, gender sexuality alliances, queer straight alliances, in and around Calgary and Southern Alberta, uh, and an opportunity for those or, uh, clubs and student groups to um, get resources and support from sort of a centralized space, as well as provide, um, you know, opportunities for connection. If something was going on kind of cool in one GSA, they might be able to share that through the network with other GSAs as well. Um, prior to COVID-19 sort of changing the way that we work, the uh, network was quite active with, um, with membership from different GSAs um, really across Calgary and, and around Southern Alberta area and uh, in a number of different school districts. And the network often was, you know, uh, run by our, our previous uh, LGBTQ2S community development coordinator who, uh, who would go in and visit um, GSAs just to give them some sort of information. Um, we provided lots of information about sort of how GSAs can run, uh, different ideas for activities. Sometimes it would be as simple as, you know, going in and playing a bit of a board game that we created around queer identities and, and queer affirmations, right? Um, so it was really just a way to bridge the gaps between uh, different schools and different uh, school districts um, to provide that sort of uh, central communication. Let's go back to March of, of 2020. It's the start of the pandemic. Take me through the stages of how the pandemic started to affect the GSA network and, and your guys' work there. What was that period like? Uh, good question. March of 2020, um, I was working uh, in another role. And I think just like so many other people, it was just full of uncertainty, right? Um, we didn't know um, so many things. We didn't know how it would affect us. It was challenging for all of our programming that we do, because a lot of the work that we do is within schools. And schools were um, changing how they were running, how they were operating. Um, and one of the first things I think that um, got changed was actually this sort of extracurricular um, activities. And um, in some ways, it, 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 you know, they were really prioritizing instruction time, which I understand. Um, but some of those extra things that uh, were done over lunch times, those sorts of things, really didn't have anything going on. So they were sort of completely wiped out um, with a lot of the changes that went on. Um, as we sort of started to learn more about you know, COVID-19, the pandemic, and how we were going to, um, you know, how we were going to move forward, we did start to see uh, a bit of a need um, because, you know, there was online teaching, 
but there wasn't online clubs, there wasn't online anything else. Um, and we know the GSAs are a really key support in schools um, for a lot of uh, LGBTQ2S youth. Um, and with that sort of being taken away, um, we definitely saw a bit of a need for, uh, for doing something uh, to try and supplement that with, um, with the work of the GSA network. What led you to decide to continue running the GSAs online? And what were some of the major challenges in making that switch? Absolutely. Um, some of my uh, former colleagues who um, also worked in our sort of community team and supporting LGBTQ2S youth started to think about there's so many things that have moved online and how can we continue um, that sort of trend. And I think the biggest piece was, again, recognizing that GSAs serve so many purposes, um, whether that's for students to learn about their identity or other identities to get involved with activism and uh, community engagement. But even as simple as something as somewhere just to eat lunch and feel safe, right? So we knew that we couldn't necessarily recreate everything, but the the conversations really led to how could we create a feeling of what it's like to maybe be in a GSA space in an online forum. And that's where the idea for a cloud GSA sort of came from. And it started off with just the idea to host something um, online, see what sort of uptake we got, really relying on uh, on the GSA sponsored teachers who are really the part of the network we connect with most to be sort of the conduits for conversation and, and promotion out to their students, which we knew was also a challenge because teachers were also adjusting to how do I teach suddenly online, right? But that need really came came from what we know about um, how GSAs have, have been so integral for so many students. Um, and our previous work with GSAs, we just know that there is a real need for, for many of the students who take part and wanted to, to again, create something that maybe maybe we can't create the exact same feeling of what it's like to be in their own school with their own community, with their own peers, um, but create something similar enough to, to sort of fill that need. What can you tell me about some of the feedback you've gotten from students participating in the GSAs? I think they're really well received. I actually just visited a GSA this afternoon and I think that the students more than anything appreciate having this um, safe and brave space where they can either be themselves or try something new and knowing that they're in a space where folks I think are extra cognizant of affirming them, validating them, and uh, most of all not judging them, right, and accepting. So I think that more than ever, yeah, GSAs are really, really important to be in schools. And I think it's just really inspiring to see how supportive they are of each other and especially of the teacher sponsors as well. Um, for myself personally, I never had any sort of GSA in any of the schools that um, I went to, but seeing an just a very, very supportive ally in the term of, in terms of a teacher, I think, um, just makes my whole job worth it. And I love visiting uh, GSAs for those reasons. So we touched on some of the barriers in getting the GSAs online in the first place. Uh, what are some of the major barriers that you're still facing in running the GSAs online? One thing that has been uh, a challenge for us is is getting the word out, I think. We, we definitely heard sort of when school resumed in the fall, because we, we, we tried sort of in the spring as the year was winding down to start up the cloud GSAs and then summer came and, you know, students weren't in school, those sorts of things. So we, we came back in September to try and 
revisit this idea of a cloud GSA, but getting the word out to get folks engaged and to get folks to sign up and, and to attend um, was a challenge, I think, because teachers didn't have a way to connect with their GSA because students were back in school and students were not able to maybe meet in their clubs because of social distancing and all those sorts of things. And teachers are really the way that we connect. We don't connect specifically with students directly so much. Uh, we're really working with the teachers often, the teacher sponsors. Um, so that has been, I think, one of the barriers. Yeah, I agree with you, Nolan. I think getting the word out is um, the biggest challenge for us right now. And I think also navigating the Zoom fatigue that a lot of the students are understandably going through as well, um, especially if they're uh, staying home for school, right? They're looking at a screen for X amount of hours, and then we're asking them to do that a bit more. Um, so I think it's such a tricky balancing act with that. Um, but that's why we're always trying to make our cloud GSAs as um, informal and as engaging as possible. So even if they have to look at a screen again, at least they're having fun with Nolan and I. So what do you think the benefits are of continuing to offer the cloud GSAs rather than just stopping the GSAs during COVID? I think the biggest benefit is that we're providing that space. Um, what I find really interesting is that at least the last um, couple of times that I've run cloud GSAs, uh, we've had different folks show up each time. So I think it speaks to the value of who it's reaching out to, and it speaks to the value of why we're hosting it, um, because we're still getting new folks showing up. I think, like I mentioned earlier, we, we know we won't be able to recreate what it's like to sit across from a peer um, and maybe have that really affirming experience or that validation, but I'm um, trying to create that space where, where we can do our best to replicate what GSAs mean to so many students um, and their role in creating safer spaces in schools um, and providing them opportunities to, um, you know, as simple as just to see another student who might be like them, uh, who might share their identity or share their experience or at least share something um, when, when we know that um, with, you know, like Rosanna mentioned, online schooling can, um, can be very tiring, but also very isolating, um, where you're not always getting to connect with people who are like you. Um, so I think really trying to create that space as best that we can um, was a huge factor for us wanting to continue this programming um, and really making sure that we can um, to, to continue to reach this, uh, this population with our work. As things gradually reopen, what's the plan for the GSA network? Ideally, I would love for all of us to um, be able to meet in person again. I'd love to be able to see a lot of the students in person. Um, but of course, uh, I don't think that's going to happen uh, anytime soon. Um, but um, I guess, yeah, that's kind of my hopes um, in terms of the future of it. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think we're always thinking about how we can make it better. And if things suddenly do open all of a sudden, right, how are we going to make that transition again? Um, Nolan, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think we want to make sure everyone is safe first and foremost um, and healthy. Um, so we we're definitely following all the guidance and, and guidelines from public health authorities. But just recognizing that schools 
are are dealing with so many different changes that are, keep coming up. So we're very um, very cognizant that there's a lot of changes going on in schools, and we want to work as best we can with again our you know teacher sponsor partners um, and see what 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 capacity they have, what sort of ideas they might even have um, for how we can best support them because they're really the ones making sure that the GSAs run. Um, they're the ones providing the, that time. We're sort of there as that uh, additional support as needed. Um, so really working to even create conversation between those sponsor teachers, I think, is something that we're looking at in the future to um, share ideas and share resources of how we're maybe making it work in our school versus uh, in a different school or in a different setting in a different part of the province even. The, the GSAs, we know from, from research and from lots of uh, you know, anecdotal information, they're just such an important piece of so many students' lives. Um, and we're just really hopeful that GSAs can continue to be such a strong force um, in schools and in communities um, to continue to create that positive change and create that safer space for LGBTQ2S youth to, to really thrive. Um, and we're happy to continue our work and uh, look at whatever we can do to, um, to support them as we all navigate this very you know, challenging new world. Yeah, I'll just echo what Nolan said. Um, GSAs are so important and we are really committed to making them work in um, Calgary and the rest of Alberta. Um, and yeah, we're really gonna be open to seeing what we can do to just make them better. So there you have it. We just heard from Nolan Hill and Rosanna Singh from the Calgary Centre for Sexuality, talking about the difficulties of getting their cloud GSAs online. From speaking with Nolan and Rosanna, I learned a lot about GSAs and the impact of COVID on running them. That mutual support and community that GSAs offer is something that helps to keep us connected, even when we're staying safe by staying apart. That was our reporter and my fellow co-host for this week, Shana Giles, speaking with Kyle Marshall from the Edmonton Public Library, as well as Nolan Hill and Rosanna Singh from the Calgary Center for Sexuality, speaking on the decision of whether or not to run their GSA programs during COVID. Just a quick reminder that the Edmonton Public Library is still closed due to ongoing COVID-19 restrictions, and their GSA program is not yet up and running again. Uh, yeah, those coordinators seem to have a lot of information. They seem very passionate about what they're doing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Just sitting down and speaking with Nolan and Rosanna, uh, very obviously passionate about what they do, and it, it was interesting to hear how interested they were in making sure that GSAs run smoothly. Uh, so basically the like the GSA program, it's a bunch of different resources that connects different schools in the Calgary and Southern Alberta area. And so they they work primarily with teachers to like make sure that teachers know what to do and it's very cool. Yeah, in junior high we had a a QSA, a queer straight alliance. I think my high school might have had a GSA, but uh, at the point I didn't know that asexuality was queer. So here we are. Yeah, that was a very fun interview to do. It was enjoyable sitting down, especially with um, Kyle Marshall from the Edmonton Public Library. I've been meaning to talk to somebody there for a while, so it was it was very cool to be able to sit down and actually talk to him about this.
Yeah, you don't hear a whole lot from those library cats, you know? Like, what are they up to? Who are they hiding from? <laughs> uh, something that all of them mentioned when I asked uh, what their biggest barriers were to making sure that their GSAs kept running during COVID was, like, the ability to actually reach the queer community in Alberta, which I thought was interesting. And uh, from some of my other work as a journalist, I, I've learned that that's a prevailing issue for a lot of organizations, including community groups, municipalities, and libraries, even in rural Alberta. I think that's something that's very interesting to hear about from them. As stated earlier, I got Hypercore music producer Pseudo Antony to tell us a little bit about herself and what she does in her day-to-day in a segment I like to call A Day in the Life. Hi, I'm Simone Medina Polo. I'm always known by my Hyperpop production name, Pseudo Antigone. I'm an Edmonton-based producer at, who has just started doing hyperpop, and people seem to like it. So, uh, here's a day in the life of. I had people ask me quite a few times before, like, how do you do so much stuff? I'm just kind of known to be a person that kind of gets around doing things. Uh, so people can't really imagine what a day in my life looks like. Uh, turns out my days are actually quite habitual. I pretty much just like wake up, shower like within the hour, and then I just kind of tend to be placed in my computer. I'm usually just working on stuff for NextFest. Uh, the Nexus Arts Company, because I'm the festival producer for that organization. So sending emails or, uh, you know, just filling up paperwork and whatnot. I, you know, until too long, not too long ago, I was also doing just a lot of homework for uh, finishing up my program at the Arts and Cultural Management um, program at McEwen University. And on my time by myself, pretty much whenever I just don't want to do anything that feels like work, well, that's when I end up producing uh, mostly for myself. And this last year has been a lot of just like learning to do audio engineering. Uh, So sometimes I just find myself just really wanting to get into sound and just really trying to like sound design a thing, trying to get a certain sound. It it comes down to like a lot of listening to music and then trying to produce things that hit that itch for me. Uh, Aside from that, you know, like that's what I do for my own like decompression time. And aside from that, like depending on the day, I cook with my wife and my brother-in-law and I tend to watch cartoons over Zoom with my best friend, Reiki. So that's a day in the life of. Uh, pretty habitual. This is pretty much every day. Thank you. Have fun, Gay Wire. That was musician Pseudo Antigone telling us a little bit about her daily life in a segment we're calling A Day in the Life. 
brought to you by our very own Caden Peasley. That's all for today's episode of Gaywire. Credit for this week's episode goes to our reporter and my co-host, Shayna Giles. Our other host and segment producer, me, Caden Peasley. Our episode producer, Bethany Godrow. And our guests, Kyle Marshall from the Edmonton Public Library, Rosanna Singh, and Nolan Hill from the Calgary Center for Sexuality, and musician, Sudo Antigone. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us online at gaywire.transistor.fm. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire and on Instagram at GaywireCJSR. Let us know what you think of this week's episode by dropping us a DM or sending us an email at gaywire at cjsr.com. Our episode artwork is by Travis Erickson, and our original music is by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Until next time.